This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Here comes a shooter. Shooter. Big button. Stack, stack, stack. Welcome back to the Outdoor Drive Podcast. This is your boy, East Coast Trev, and... This is Steve. And... Drew. Oh, Drew. Drew. Who's Drew? Drew. Like Boneyard? Yep. Drew. Boneyard. Oh, uh, I, I love it. it <laughs> Trev used to hammer me with that, so it's, it's good someone else is getting the pressure. Just Drew. Yep. <laughs> Just Drew? Come on, man. I got a couple of their names. Dickhead, Shithead. Been through it before, huh? He's been there, done that. <laughs> nice. Just calling me my name. That's know? right. Well, so we're actually in. What what do we call this? Is this like the Wild Edge Palace? Yeah. Have you named the place yet? Uh, this is like the man cave. It's the office, but really it's a man cave. The office is only like ten square feet. All right. But the rest is the man cave. All right. So, Everything that's not allowed in the house is here. So it's kind of like a mullet. The business yeah. is up front, and the party's in the back. That's right. Business is like this little corner. And parties over there. <laughs> I like it. Better than I'm that, digging dude. it. <laughs> yeah. Well, man cave, man shop, downstairs business. Well, why don't we jump right into it then? Let's turn this key, man. Let's get this drive underway. Why don't you tell everyone who you are, where you're from, and what you do? Andrew Walter, Drew, Boneyard, whatever you want to call me. Uh, owner, president of Wild Edge Incorporated. We are a one-stop shop for all your saddle hunting needs. Started with the stepladder. Uh, by Jim Step, invented back in the 90s, and I grew up hunting with Jim since I was 12, 13 years old. 
Uh, I've been using the steps since then. And then after the Army, after I had a career in some wildlife uh, management, I wanted to stay more at home. So uh, Jim kind of gave me the motivation to start up and sell the stepladder again with the help of the Internet. And that was back in 2015. We started selling in 2016, and then it's been a whirlwind since then. And uh, now we're here today with, um, you know, our goal, my goal years ago was to be the one-stop shop for saddle hunting. And we finally reached that this past year. And uh, yeah, just a veteran-owned company, products made in America. Our Kong products, the saddle and carabiners and ascenders are made in Italy. Everything else, all our metal products made in Texas and uh, our bags and every other fabric made in New Jersey. So we, uh, we've been around. I was saddle hunting before it was cool years ago so we have uh the knowledge and kind of just we're the front runners of the settlement industry and now here we are today and sitting with these dudes and we're going to talk some settlement so so what kind of makes you the one-stop shop man what 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 do you what do you offer that makes you the one-stop shop uh we have everything we have basically if you want to start saddle hunting or if you're a tree stand hunter we have everything you'll, you'll need besides tree stands um Everything from your climbing system, the stepladder, to your platforms, the perch, the battlement, um, to your, you know, stepladder. So your climbing system, your platforms, your ropes. We have uh, all different variations of ropes from your affordable, um, big, you know, bulky and expensive ropes, all this, all, you know, all the way to your eight millimeter um, Sterling Oplux ropes with the custom sewn uh, six inch eyes on them with the Kiss line kit or the Wild Edge line kit with the uh, Kong Oval One carabiner with the duck on it duck ascender um you know all the way to our newest saddle which is the berserker so basically everything you need to start getting saddle hunting we have here so what would somebody do if they started saddle hunting like where where would they start like what what would be the beginning steps because obviously it's a new thing and a lot of people are just starting to get into it so like where what would you do what would you where would you point them in what direction would they go my biggest thing is there's so before when saddle hunting was new, it was before it was popular and before there was, you know, 20 companies on the market, it was saddle hunter forum. You go there and you research, you talk to people and it would all be about, it was all DIY stuff. Cause there weren't any saddle hunting companies on the market offering saddle hunting equipment. So you'd go there and it'd all be, you know, DIY stuff. You buy this rope here and that rope there, you buy this climbing arborist saddle here and this you know piece of equipment here and you diy your saddle everything's diy there were still climbing systems but you know not as much as there are today so now it turned into i said this two years ago i said to a lot of people i said give it two years there's gonna be more saddle hunting companies on the market than there are tree stand companies and you know people like kind of looked at me like i was fucking stupid and crazy well look at today Every week, there's a new saddle hunting company because that's what's exploding. So, what the fuck was your question? <laughs> <laughs> Where do you start? Where, Where do you start? So, I what kind of smart ass and just set yeah. at the base of a tree, but that's just me. <laughs> so, you, you, the way you start. How about this? I'll tell you how I started. So, I started, I went, I started getting bored with hunting a lot of private land properties that I had. I got bored with hunting those small pieces of woods. So in New England, it's 
Connecticut, especially, you know, 50 acres, hundred acres. That's like a big piece. Okay. Well try to track a deer in the snow or try to hunt a mature deer in 50, hundred acres. Good luck. You know, he's off that in two seconds. So I got bored and I started exploring uh, spots along the river. There's a lot of, in Connecticut, especially my area, the Connecticut river is right in my backyard. There's a lot of bow hunting only spots and they're peninsulas, islands, uh, big pieces of state land property that the best way to get to are by water access. So I started accessing by water and I'm stumbling in there with my bow and a kayak and just walking in going, what the fuck? Like you can't see with the frag, you can't see, you know, it's, it's three feet above your head <laughs> and then the briars and shit. It's like deer tunnels. I'm like, Holy fuck. Can't bring a tree stand in here. You know, what the fuck? Like I'm just racking my brain. I'm like, okay. Heard about saddle hunting from my buddy who had an Anderson tree sling, which was popular like 20 years ago. Borrowed that from him and then transitioned into buying an Arbor saddle and transitioning it with my old army, army sleeping pad, cut it out and made a seat with it. And <laughs> Literally the second stops being useful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're great. I had like four of them. So like, oh, I'll cut this one up, made a seat out of it. My second time in ever sitting in a saddle, killed a nice eight point, you know, water access to with my Kyle with my kayak along the river. I was like, this is fucking great. Um, about sunk the kayak on the way out. Cause it was so heavy. Uh, I couldn't drag the deer out. So I had to debone it, pack it out. But that's what's, what kind of got me started. So now it's like the whole evolution of now that was back when there was like little information and you really had to research hard or know somebody that had an old saddle. Now it turned into, there's so much information out there, YouTube, Facebook, all the different Facebook pages, all the different YouTube channels, all the different forums, like forums kind of drifted away, but there's so much information. Your mind will get fucked. Like you will get so confused. So we have so many emails, like guys, like, you know, What's a Canader, Canader, Badader? Like, well, I know you mean Nader Swader. So we're trying to explain to him. It's like, there's so much information out there, but right now is the best time to transition into a saddle because there's so much information, but really step back and look at simplifying it and figure out what works for you. So that, that was my, always my biggest system is make shit simple. So military term, Steve would know, kiss, keep it simple, stupid. So that was always my... My goal is every, everything I do and every way I do shit, I want it so simple and brainless. So when I'm in the dark, going to the tree and I'm starting my climb, everything is exactly where it was every other time. And every system is the same, no matter how weird and how fucked up the tree is and how different the situation is, dark, light, whatever it is, tree that's crooked going like this, or, you know, the half dead ass tree along the river that I'm only going 12 feet up or this tree and that tree, everything is just everything I have is a fluid motion and everything's always the same no matter what. So, uh, question again, how to get started. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> so what, just yeah, do, where do a little them? research, reach out to people. But the best way is now that saddle hunting is getting so much bigger, I guarantee you, no matter what state you are in, you can find a Facebook page that has some saddle hunting organization that is in your area or a club that you can go to reach out to, and they'll have, you know, weekend rendezvous or one day shows or whatever that everybody meets up and they test out equipment. So find somebody that has a saddle, has the system, reach out to them and go and test it out and really, you know, mess with it. Or the other beauty is go online, spend the money, 
buy your equipment, probably from me. Be the best idea, but preferably, uh, preferably. <laughs> but either way, if you buy something on the saddle hunting market, you can turn it around and sell it on the saddle hunting classifieds in an hour, two for the hours. Same money for the and you could yeah for this you won't have to, maybe you might suck up ten bucks in shipping or something, but you can resell stuff very easily on the saddle hunting market. So you know, try stuff, figure out what works best for you, and roll with that system. Once you find the system that works for you, stay with it. And especially if you if you get on some of those saddle hunting pages and so on and so forth, and you put out, hey, is there somebody in my local area that wants to meet up? I mean, the saddle hunting community is a really good community where you can ask those questions and people will meet up with you and have you get in a saddle. I know a lot of people are kind of like, kind of holding back on getting into a saddle because they're like, well, I never been in a saddle. So what do I do? You know what I'm saying? So there, there is people all over that will get you in a saddle and have you wear a saddle, you know? Yeah. Um, and like you saw at Harrisburg, so the first, you know, four years, five years ago at Harrisburg, I had saddles there. And guys would walk up and be like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, that looks retarded. And then the next year, okay, I've been seeing this. The next year, the next year, and then bring it back to, so this year was canceled because of right. China virus. And then uh, China virus. <laughs> last year was epic because I shared a booth with uh, Matt from Add Online Manufacturing. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, we had his Shakar stick. We had a poll with all his products and a poll with all my products. And we had everything for sale. And But I didn't have a set all the time. We were selling trophy line saddles. But um, I had my prototypes there. And either way, guys came to our booth knowing that they wanted to fuck around with saddle hunting equipment. And we put a lot of people on that poll. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people. There, there, the there was and a lot came. of pole dancing in that booth. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and they came and it was like, I want to sit in a saddle. I'm going to sit in a saddle. They sit in it. Boom. But like years before, it was like, you know, you'd have a group of guys and one guy would be interested and his other five buddies would be like, you're I fucking retarded. That's so you're gay. gay. Yeah, yeah gay. you're a homo. And don't then, be a saddle hunter. That's not cool. And then the one guy was sitting it. He'd be like, ha. And then he'd be like, sitting it. And the other guy, no, 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 I'm not going to do it. He'd force his buddy to sit in it. He'd sit in it. And he'd be like, hmm, this is pretty fucking cool. It's not that bad. You know, swing around this tree like, okay, I get it now. So that's the whole, that's the biggest thing right now. There's not a lot of, there's, I think Latitude Outdoors is the only saddle that's in a store right now, um, a local store in Michigan. But uh, other than that, you know, there's not a lot of saddles that are, that you can really jump in and test mm-hmm. out. But with our new shop right now, that's a cool part. We've had a lot of guys swing by that are local. And they, you know, they swing by, they want to test out the products. So the biggest thing is they put their hands on it. They feel it. They touch it. They sit in it. Mm-hmm. They climb with the steps. You know, they, they monkey around with them and then they're sold. So anyone in the area, feel free to swing by, hit me up and uh, we can get you outfitted. So why don't you go through a little bit of the saddle, some of like the, the different features that you have on your saddle compared to some of the other ones. Just what, why, why would somebody pick a wild edge saddle over over any other one. All right, so we have uh, we have years and years into developing the saddle. Um, so the biggest thing that we have right here is the adjustable comfort of the saddle. So it is an adjustable seat. So there was other saddles in the market that were called expandable seats, um, adjustable, whatever you want to call the seat. Um, so this seat, you can sit in it and it will stay this size. If you want to open it, you can open the bottom or the top or both at the same time and expand the seat. So the top can almost become more of a backrest. 
and hug the, the upper part of your back. The bottom can hug the lower part of your hips. And then if you're, you want to change your comfort, you just fold it back in. So that's the biggest thing. You know, it's a, it's a seat that will stay closed. If you want to open, you can open it. Like I said, again, you can open just the bottom, just the top or both. Um, the big gear loops in the back. I always got frustrated with saddles as I was hunting. They always had those tiny little one inch molly loops and you're reaching behind your back and you're trying to hook a carabiner into it. And it's like, you're motherfucking yourself. Like, where the fuck is that goddamn loop? Like you, you couldn't find it. So <laughs> that's why I came out with these bigger gear loops because brainlessly you can reach behind your back, snap carabiner in, or like right here, I always have a carabiner hanging from it. And that's where I will attach my bow. When I'm climbing the tree, I have my bow on my waist on the molly loops on my saddle because I don't know how many times I've been halfway up a tree or halfway down a tree and deer start coming in. Well, if your bow is in the ground, you look like a dick. So if my bow is right there, I can just stay there with my lines and rope around the tree, grab my bow and be ready to hunt, whether I'm going to kill a deer or not. Either way, I, I'm, I always want to be prepared. It scares the shit out of me to have my bow on the ground. Nevertheless, if it's in the dark or there's a lot of limbs, you're trying to pull your bow up and you're smashing it against limbs and shit. You could fuck up your sight, but either way, I always have my bow on my back. And then we have uh, smaller molly loops here, but with two-inch webbing so that your dump pouch can fit in the sides and not be slapping around in one-inch webbing like it would. So they're, you know, tight to your hip, bigger lines and loops. And then another big feature is your leg straps. Most saddles, the leg straps are right, they come up right in the center by your waist belt buckle. So you have three buckles right in your crotch banging together. Yep. I wanted them to the side, away. So these leg straps sit way off to the side of your hip, like in the front of your hip. So they're out of the way. You're never banging shit because I can remember a lot of times having my bow like hanging, waiting for a deer to present an opportunity. Clean, and my cam, clean, clean. Yeah, your cam's right in your crotch. So it's like banging against shit. Or you'd move, you'd loosen your waist belt, and there'd be just jingling shit going on. Uh, these are all Kong buckles. These saddles are made by Kong USA. Uh, Kong USA, their facility is in Rhode Island, and but their factory is in Italy. So Italy is very well known for the metal fabrication. And all these buckles are made by Kong USA in Italy. This entire saddle is made by Kong USA. Kong is a climbing, recreational climbing and arborist company. They make climbing harnesses, arborist saddles, everything, everything imaginable for rock climbing to arborist, everything you'd ever want. So reputable company. All our saddles are tested. Uh, they, they tested them to 3,000, whatever it was, 3,600 pounds um, and stretched them from the bridge. So they put it in a machine that stretches them out to, three, say, 3,600 pounds for three, four minutes, release it. They did it like 20-something times. To multiple saddles, so they randomly select a saddle, test it. Um, we also have bigger gear loops at the bottom, again, for carabiners, whatever you want to hook to your saddle, but also sticking your hand behind to pull that pleat out. So again, it's not a pleat. Most saddles with a, you know expandable seat, you'd just be walking and it would just open and stay open for the rest of the life of the saddle. One of the most miserable things about yep. saddle. So it'd be like walking mm -hmm. the diaper. So this yeah. will go back closed and 
you know, you have to put a little effort into actually expanding it. So you reach behind, stick your finger in there and pull the pleat out. Not like a regular diaper, like a shitty diaper. Yeah. <laughs> Full load. Exactly. <laughs> Full loaded diaper. Um, and then we have the, so we started our, our first prototype. We had a uh, webbing bridge on it uh, with an adjustable, adjustable bridge, but webbing bridge, um, detachable on one end. But I, from there, I went back to the Sterling Oplux. So this is basically our KISS line that we offer. And I just, in my mind, I would rather trust a knot and a rope than stitching on webbing. Stitching on webbing is strong and you'll be fine. But in my eyes, why not beef it up? I'm one that always, I overbuild everything. So I went back to the old plucks. We have a figure eight on one end and then a Prusik on the other end on the eight millimeter with a 6.8 millimeter TVAC line tied with a fisherman's knot and then a bite on the end. And then our poor man's ascender. So if you want to adjust the saddle, you just pull the rope up and adjust your bridge. You One-handed functionality it. without yep. an ascender. One hand. That's the biggest point. And if you want to adjust, so the biggest thing about adjusting your saddle when you're sitting in it is you rotate. A lot of guys are like, they're so focused on the seat and everything for getting a comfort and the bridge. Well, the biggest thing is if you have... Hold this up for a minute. Yep. If you're having more pressure on your hips, you're going to rotate each bridge loop down. That'll put more pressure on your legs. If you have too much pressure in your legs, you're going to rotate your bridge loop up to put more pressure on your hips. So that's pretty much the only adjustment that I'm making is my bridge loops. Um, so we, we went through that, uh, was it two weeks ago? Yep. In our trade show. And those are on your Online YouTube page. It's on our YouTube page. So uh, we'll start going through more of this, more of the saddle, where I'm going to do a weekly uh, live event because the virtual trade show is such a big turnaround, big turnout. So uh, guys are loving it. They want me to do more videos. So we're going to start going through all the little techniques and how I climb, how I hang everything. But, I mean, this saddle, and the biggest thing we offer – so the typical sizes in the saddle hunting community are size one and size two. Um, fucking Mike. <laughs> so we, uh, we came out with uh, small, medium, and large. Your medium, large, your medium is your one, your large is your two, and uh, your small is smaller than a size one. So that's a guy like me. I have a 32-inch waist. Um, I have bigger shoulders, but my waist is fucking tiny. I have no ass. Um, I have no legs. Guys in college, when I actually lifted weights, called me light bulb. <laughs> so I literally have no ass. So if I sit in a size medium, which is a size one, I feel like I'm getting crushed in my hips. So I drop down to a size, to a small size, smaller than a size one, and I'm I fit perfectly. And I do not expand the seat. I hunt all season. I might have expanded it one or two times after a long sit. Maybe just pull the top up or just pull the bottom down. Maybe the the top up just for a little back rest. But honestly, God, I never opened the seat, and the seat stayed closed. That's the biggest point of our saddle. It's an adjustable seat that stays closed or opens if you want. I think it's awesome, dude. Was I that, love it. Was that a good tangent? Yeah, I think it was great. I, I think you pretty well hammered that one down. Yeah. And I can agree with you because there's nothing worse uh, with that 
other companies' expandable seats. As soon as you put pressure on the bridge and you set in, it just yep. wants to open regardless. And it stays open. Yep. yep. And you just, you tend, I found myself fighting that a lot this year. Yeah. It is definitely an annoying thing with some of the other saddles, like especially, you know, my thing is like, you know, getting in and out of a place, right? And, and obviously you want to wear your saddle because like with some of the other saddles, you can't walk far. If you're walking, because the whole purpose of, of saddle hunting, right, is so you don't have gear on your back. So you don't have a you don't have a climber or you don't have stick and stands on your back, but you have your saddle and you want to be able to wear it in. When when th- that um that seat is open, then it's a pain in the ass to walk in. And nine yeah. times out of ten, I would just put it in my backpack. Yeah. And then I'd get there and then put it on. But you're defeating the whole purpose of Flapping of the around. mobility of of saddle hunting. Yeah, and you've worn a lot of our prototypes where yeah. it was, you know, just expandable seat but guess what it opens up flaps around and will never close this one that's why we went back to this gore-tex spandex material that will fold back and close and stay closed because that was that was a pet peeve of mine just Mm -hmm. like a dump pouch i was never a dump pouch guy um beginners i suggest you start with a dump pouch and use lines and rope and a tether two lines but i just i could not stand having a dump pouch in those one inch molly loops and just flapping around and you know, like I, I, but people don't understand that because I'm not hunting the edge of a cornfield. Nope. I'm not walking down a, the middle road of a cornfield and then ducking through the corn and hunting up a tree. I'm crawling in and out of my kayak with my, I'm, I put my saddle on, jump in my truck, grab my bag, my bow, jump out of my truck, jump in my kayak most of the time. Even if I don't have my kayak, either way, I'm crawling through deer tunnels, mm-hmm. crawling through shit. So if I had sticks, if I had dump pouches, if I had all this shit hanging off me, well, good luck if it's there when you get to the tree. Right. And and that whole point of being quiet, walking in and out is right. out the window. So like the whole, <laughs> you know, the whole theory of bed to dead and get close to the bed, get close to the bed as close as you possibly fucking can. Well, you better make sure you're being fucking quiet. Yeah. Better sound like a squirrel going up the tree, not a fucking pack rat with a and that's, junk pile of metal on your back. And I think it's something that, that a lot of people don't understand when go when saddle hunting or hunting in general is that you don't have to be fast going up the tree. It's just but being quiet and efficient. Slow is smooth, smooth is fast. There you go. That's, that's what, what I wanted. I mean, it's like <laughs> that's what I wanted. <laughs> everybody, how, how fast can you get up the tree? How fast can you climb? How fast? How fast? How fast? Well, you know, it's like, are you going into an area where, you know, the deer won't be there for four hours and you can make as much fucking noise like a fucking combine if you want? Or are you going to, going into an area where you have to be fucking quiet because that deer could be bedded, you know, 40, 50 yards from you. So like, oh, right. when I shot that deer that had the velvet hanging off that trebbed at the Earl Mount for me. It's like I snuck into that. The leaves are so fucking loud. I sound like an elephant going through the woods. But like I was telling Trev, I walk like a squirrel. I knew that deer would be close. He was a five and a half year old deer. I knew he'd be close. He'd been on the cell cam. He was in the area. Like he did not fucking move. And he was just shedding his velvet. So I knew I had that like one or two days where he's going to be there. So I walked to that stand like a retard, like a squirrel. I shuffle, I walked 10 feet, shuffled my feet like a squirrel scratch around 10 feet, shuffled my feet. It probably took me, I'd say 45 minutes to go 150 yards from my truck. Got up in that tree got set up quiet as possible and within 15 minutes i saw nice and then 35 40 minutes later i killed him so he was right there he took that long to get to you yeah i i saw him within 10 minutes of getting set up and then i watched him for over a half hour 40 i don't even know how long it was 
And, you know, it's all on oh. film. I got to post that video. I got to edit it. That in- it was like he was right there. And like I watched him rub his velvet, rub his velvet, come in, make a scrape. But it was like if I had been complacent and just noisy as fuck and not cared, there's no way I would have killed him. Yeah, you'd have blown him And there's him out. a lot of situations like that where it's like you don't know. Oh, I had a shitty hunt. I didn't see shit. Was that because you fucked? Because you were loud and you fucked up? Mm-hmm. Were you careful? Like, that's where you beat yourself in the balls. It's like, was it your fault? So or were you in the wrong spot? I, I always get a kick out of, uh, well, I didn't see shit. Yeah. And that's, if you look at it on the flip side, you may not have seen shit, but the deer may have seen all they needed to see. Right. When, when you're like, like this, like, it's like cut. when you're like this, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you can't see anything, my friend. <laughs> like all those guys on social media, they're like, Look at me, I'm in a tree. Oh, they're doing live posts. I, oh, I just had this 150 coming, but I was on my phone and oh my God, what the fuck? It's like, oh my God, like I don't fucking move. Like I'm scared to take a piss on the tree. You know, guys know I piss a lot, but no, it's a. Uh, what is, so do you think, you think that saddle hunting plays a big role in that with being quiet and getting well, into like, those spots? How, how many, like, what is the difference? How many times have you guys gone coyote hunting? Tried to call on a coyote? Or nine your, count. What's your probability? Uh, slim to none. Easy right? estimate. I'm gonna say you may encounter one in twenty, unless that's like right. you do it for a living. But how many do you see when you're calling? That's the thing. So that's what I'm saying. That's how I related to deer hunting. So, so I was so amped on coyote hunting when I was younger, and it was with a mouth call. Mm-hmm. And we called in and killed a ton of coyotes when I was 10, 12, 13 years old. But then e collars came out. Coyotes got very educated, you know, so relate that to deer hunting. So how many times do you think you set that collar off and you go, fuck, that hunt sucked. We didn't see a coyote. How many times do you think you called a coyote in and he sat back and he winded you, saw you, or just didn't feel comfortable coming in? Yep. Which the is the same thing, thing with mature bucks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They could be there and you did one, 1% of a fuck up and you fit. It's over. You're in their yep. living room at that point. Yep. Well, it, it, kind of smart. The, the perfect example, the easiest way to put it, especially for people who've never quite gone that deep into hunting, is imagine you walk home, you walk into your living room, and someone else's boots are sitting next to your couch. You're going <laughs> to notice it. I mean, yep. you don't miss it. No. So it's, it's the same thing. Yep. When, when you walk in, when the deer's there, they walk into their area, they yep. know if something's off. Right. So. Yep. Yeah, no, it's like, uh, what was it? Uh, having a brain fart. Who's the guy that uh, had the, has the hunting show that the hunting public left from? Oh, Dan Infault. No. Oh. Hunting public. Oh. They left him. Brain fart. I don't know. It'll click at the end of the episode. Yeah, I'm Bill. Well. Bill Winky. Oh, Bill, Bill Winky. Okay. Remember, he did that whole test on, uh, you know, wearing garbage bags over his boots, you know, all the way up to his hips and walking into an area for scent control. Well, people don't understand, and he proved this, that, and science obviously proves over the years that your particles of your scent and your body are, com- are always falling off of your body. Mm-hmm. So you are just leaving like this invisible trail that we can't see. You know, that's why dogs can find dead deer that's why dogs can find birds and you know that's why animals can track down other animals because there's just there's particles falling off of you leaving a trail that we cannot fucking see mm-hmm. so that's what you know 
I don't know. You know what the fuck my point to that was? Descent and just yeah. being in it walks in and some, knows something's right. off. Having some dudes. Yeah. So it's like uh, you're yeah. hunting, you're hunting an animal that is <laughs> having try- someone's boots in your living that room. is living their life trying not to get killed. Yeah. So it's a little tiny thing. So back to the point of saddle hunting, you're compact, you're quiet. There's no metal on metal shit. I mean, you're just. That's why I say just keep it simple. That's why I never really understood the whole like sticks and stand thing, right? So the whole sticks and stand thing with like going up, there's a lot of clanking metal. There's a lot of things that are banging together and whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, bro, I don't, I'm, maybe not you, but definitely me. Like trying to hang a stand, I have enough problems trying to do that. Could you imagine doing that mobily? Like I, that would, it would. <laughs> well, it's like ugh. when we first met, you were a climber guy. Yeah. So you're like, yeah, I would walk into my fucking underwear because <laughs> yeah, I was sweating I so much with this giant climber on my back. And then, you know, relate that to we have a lot of customers that reach out to us. Hey, I'm a female and I try to wear this climber in and it's banging against the back of my calves, mm-hmm. beating me up. I'm struggling. So I found your system with the saddle and the steps and I'm, you know, light years ahead. Yep. It definitely makes things a lot easier, especially for, you know, being mobile hunting, you know, even if, you know, I use it a lot, like, especially the steps, man, I, I make a lot of presets with them and then yeah. get up in those presets. So those are my stands. So it's a lot, it's, it's like having a stand, but I'm in my saddle, right? So I just go in and I set up a bunch of uh, steps and with a ring of steps, and then that's my preset. So it's like hanging tree stands and I can go up in them. So you can do it on the permanent side also, not only, and you do that a lot also, yeah. but, um, not only just the mobile game, like I have a mobile setup and then I have a permanent setup where yeah. I go in and do things differently. Thank you all those customers for your returns. <laughs> <laughs> so I use those as my presets. <laughs> but it's Smart nice man. to have presets, and man. thanks to my manufacturer for fucking up steps because <laughs> if the paint's chipped, they're in trees. You have presets. <laughs> <laughs> it is, that is definitely one thing too is, is having the presets. And that's because it's so, so simple. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, all right, I have this preset, that preset, check the wind, check the pressure. All right, I want to be in this area. So I'll set hundreds of presets a year, and then boom, grab my saddle, my bow, and my backpack, go. Done. Yep. And one rope. Yeah. And or, I'm fucking golden. Or an after work set or whatever. You have a yeah, couple in there, easy. you just get in there, boom, done. Yep. And you don't have to worry about it, and then you're quiet and everything. And then you have a mobile setup where you grab a bag that has six steps or eight steps, and yep. you go in and you just grab it and go, you know, and it's – it's that's yeah, one of the nice things. Six steps. So this is the advantage of the step ladder. Here's a. It's actually five in here. This is a five step bag. So you'd put it put it around your shoulder, unzip the bag a little bit, pull the ropes out, and every step is right there by your side. So this is the advantage. So this with an aider. So take this. This is five steps. Three steps with an aider suede, you can get thirty feet. Mm-hmm. This is five steps. Mm-hmm. So I will usually not take this little amount of steps i will take i'll take eight steps so this is my my running gun bag my mobile hunting bag eight steps because even if i only use five i'll put another one at my waist i always 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 have one at my waist height and that hangs my backpack off the step my binoculars go in the step my bow hanger goes on the my strong side my left side of the tree my bow goes there and then if i have extras then no matter what platform variation I'm running, I Put either have on the one side. or two on each side yep. or say, oh, fuck, I have another extra step. I'll put one up high. Or as I'm climbing, I'm like, okay, I really got to get a little higher. If I'm not using the air system, which I rarely ever use, I'll just do a half pull up. So my first step will go chest level, next step above my head, and I'll grab the above head step, 
Put yeah, my just foot against off. a tree and do a little bit of a fucking yep. half pull up and yep. keep my lines in line, super loose, throw it up, jump up to that step. Uh, obviously, early season, that's a lot easier. Late season, you're constructed with thicker clothing. Um, so late season, I, tra- I, tra- I transition into more steps. So I'll run with a set of 10. But I would rather carry a couple extra pounds and have the steps and not need them than need them and not have them. Yeah. So that's always my theory. I mean, it's a couple pounds. We're not, we're not Western hunters. We're not packing in for three days of an elk hunt where every ounce counts. If you're worried you about know, ounces and pounds, stop eating McDonald's fucking yeah, cheeseburgers. Fucking go for a run. <laughs> <laughs> Start building some shit. But it's yeah. like, you know, I, I never, like I'm a little weight conscious, but I'm not a freak because we're in New England mm-hmm. and we're walking, you know, you walk a mile. That's a long fucking way. You know, you have a lot of guys say, oh, I hiked in, you know, two miles. Well, I'd be For us on the East Coast, it's not two miles, but yeah. either way, East Coast, it's like this. Yes. So you could walk a mile in a crow's line distance, but that could be three miles. So it's yeah. like, but either and way, I get it for I'd like the Midwestern carry. guys where they have to walk across a giant corn plot to get to wherever they want to go or something right. like that. But for us, like a mile. And That's we talked far. about this. We talked about this a mile. So a mile at how long Lydia was talking about it at a straight yeah. like pace. Okay. As fast as you possibly could. A mile would take you. Fuck. I forget what she said. Like saying. 35 or 40. Yep. Yeah. Something crazy. So, like, but you don't like walk like at a full minutes. like sprint trying to go in the wood. It would take you a long ass time to get a mile. Yeah. I had one spot up in. Uh, what was it? It was outside of uh, Hebron. And uh, I had this one spot that, so it was the back end of the property and it was like the best spot. It was like thick, nasty, clear cut shit that kind of stopped right into old growth stuff that hadn't been touched in, you know, a couple hundred years. Sweet transition. It was the best transition in the world. But in order to get there, I had to go up, down, up, down. And I did a straight line distance on Onyx and it was, or a hunt stand. Mm -hmm. And it was a mile in and a mile out. And that took me a good 45 minutes. So in the dark, that's walking fast. You know, logging trails, easy walking, like just hoofing it. But going in in the afternoon, it's a whole different story because you're walking slow. So that takes you an extra 20 minutes. Mm Mm-hmm. So, but that's the nice thing about saddle hunting. You don't have to carry as much in and you it just keeps you a little bit more. I don't know. It just gives you that, that advantage, you know, like the nice thing, like for me being in the, saddle hunting and being mobile hunting is I didn't, I didn't knock off the weight. I just added more shit. So I knocked off the weight, but I added my camera gear. So it's like having all that other things, but it makes me a little bit more mobile and having the room to be able to bring camera gear with me, you know, like, so you add your camera arm and all the other, and your cameras, your backup camera and your, your secondary camera. And then you're adding back on the weight, but it's just, I don't yeah. know, it just makes it a lot easier. Yeah, was- the other beauty about it is, you're walking in even with a backpack full of gear, saddle on, everything's ready to go. Mm-hmm. And guess what? The deer pops up in front of you on the ground. I can still draw. Right. I'm not fighting a stand on my back. Nope. Yep. I mean, you're yeah, still. And that's, what, that's what got me into it too is like I would go into areas where it's like, I really don't know if I have an intention to hunt or hang in a tree, but I'm wearing my saddle. I have my climbing system, my steps, and my everything I need to climb a tree, but I might walk into an area and be like, well, this fucking blows. 
you know, you're scouting as you hunt. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, I'm not just blowing through an area like a fucking madman hustling. I'm walking very slow, looking methodically, looking for sign and all, all kinds of shit. But if I don't find it, if I was like, oh, this fucking spot blows, there's no deer. Or there's so many acorns, or there's no acorns, and, or they're feeding over here. It's like every situation is different, but I may not set up there. And then I just walk back to my truck and go home. Or I'll be walking and be like, whoa, this spot's sick. Like there is sign here. I'm going to climb that tree right there. Mm-hmm. Boom. And I'm up the tree in, you know, eight, 10 minutes. I think one of the things that I find that's, that sucks too, when you get in the woods and you get into mobile hunting, and I don't know if other people are in this scenario, but I get in the woods and I like, I start walking and I see a little bit of sign, but I'm like, there's got to be better sign over yeah. the next knoll. And then you get to the next knoll <laughs> and there's nothing. And you're like, fuck, all right, I got to go a little bit further. <laughs> now you keep Trust going and you keep going instinct. and you're like, fuck. Yep. So now I got to turn around, but I just put all that scent. And now that you know that the deer are coming here, I, I play the worst mind games with myself. No, Wait, on, Trev, you it's overthink things? Yeah. <laughs> it ain't so. <laughs> so. So Lydia and so my sister and my wife, they know. So they'd be like, where are you hunting more? Like, I don't know. Like, well, can you at least tell me? I'll tell you in the morning. So, or in the afternoon, where are you hunting tonight? Not sure. I'll always have a couple spots in mind. But then I'll literally get my shit together, hop in my truck. As I'm pulling out the driveway, I'll go left or right, no matter where I go. And I'll go, okay, trust your gut, trust your gut, trust your gut. Okay, okay, this this spot feels good. Yep, yep. And I'll just trust my gut and go there. And then I'll text them and be like, hey, this is where I'm at. Oh, no, in me, I, I drive three, I die. Three, three hours in the wrong circle. And I'd yeah, be like, no, oh, I, I don't think it's like, a good idea. I, oh, I've learned trust your gut. Yeah. It's the hardest don't thing. Don't trust I think. the camera. Especially cameras, mm, cameras fucking lie. Oh, dude. Do yep. Don't even get me going with that. Right. I spent uh, the whole season this year with that. I got to piss. All right. Lightweight. <laughs> He's got to piss. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have a pee break. A Drew pee break. And this uh, sponsor break is brought to you by yeah, actually, you Wild know what? Ed Jink. <laughs> that would actually be a smart idea. Actually, while during the piss break, I'll just go over real quick, dude. If you guys haven't already, get on over to NorEasterGameCalls.com for the Ridge Runner. Uh, our box calls are on there, and our outdoor series has now been released. So if you guys haven't already, go over to Nor'easter Game Calls and check those things out. Um, we have now given out the Ridge Runner um, call uh, last week, so congratulations to them. Uh, also, out on the limb manufacturing, out on the limb mfg.com for all of your uh, saddle hunting platforms, so on and so forth, camera arms, custom tree stands. Um, and then Wicked Twisted Bowstrings, uh, they got their custom bowstrings over there, BCY and uh, Bloodline. And also Broadside Camo, Broadside Camo, uh, the photorealism camo for your aerial hunting i don't even have a notebook and i'm doing this i know this dude I'm, I'm just i'm loving it um, <laughs> you're on a roll you're killing it um no we didn't get there yet uh timber tumblers <laughs> your custom custard custom timber tumblers timbertumblers.com uh <laughs> and then um last but not least uh gator outdoors uh outfitting the working class gatoroutdoors.com use promo code uh what it, I don't even fucking know because I don't have my notebook. I, I, I'll pull it up. Stand mm, by. I think it's Outdoor Drive 10, 15, something like that. Hmm. So use that. I know we got it It'll saved. Be good. Yeah, it's just it's Outdoor Drive 20. You were close. Ooh, You're only off by 5 now. and 10. 
Wow, Outdoor Drive 20. So save yourself some on that, guys. Go and check them out there. Well, not even, brand. not just save yourself. Use that as entries for the upcoming yeah. hunt. So we have we have a, uh, you can use the, all, all of our promo codes are used to get you in on the hunt and then Nor'easter Game calls right in on the uh, PayPal notes, um, Outdoor Drive giveaway. So, um, and then last but not least, uh, Wild Edge Inc., the leader in mobile hunting. You see that? Can I give you a his... promo code yet? No, no promo code yet. Bullshit. What do no you promo. No. What the fuck? We don't have one of those yet. I'll give you guys one soon. Okay. All right. So all you listeners, you'll have a promo code here at Wild Edge sooner than later. It's typical Drew, so it's fine. <laughs> well, you see how he functions. He he goes and takes a piss just to come back and fill the bladder. Yeah, with water. Yeah. Just, I just drank a... five cups of coffee before this podcast, so I'm a, a little dry. spun out. Yeah. <laughs> a little dry. A little dry. A little dry. I'm a little dry. Well, man, I'm gonna fill it with some nicotine too. There you Something go. Load it up. And you're chewing. Hey, no tobacco on this, buddy. Yeah, he's got the Just Zin. Dude. Yeah, man. Whoa! Shout out to Zin. Gave it up for my thirtieth birthday. No Ooh, tobacco. good man. Good Smart. man. Smart I need man. to. Yeah, I ain't gonna lie. I need Saves to. Lips, man. It's a tough thing, I guess. I don't know. You used to do it. Yeah, I used to dip, smoke. All kinds of crazy things. That was you're like a skinny little white boy. That... Yeah, well, not really skinny. I gained a little bit of weight back, but <laughs> that's just the the norm. COVID, norm. COVID weight. Yeah, COVID weight. Is that what it is? COVID yeah, it's weight. COVID weight. I guess so. Do I hear that fucking word one more time. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you yeah, everybody's fucking blame everything on COVID, right? Yeah, everybody's exactly, over it. Yeah. Everybody's over it, man. Yeah. They want to get out and hunt. And- fish i kind of I, I i'm over it for the fact of that everybody's out there hunting and fishing well you see that uh, <laughs> <laughs> my dog just walked in and wants to destroy you. um they opened the fishing season yeah early like, here right now yeah. yeah it's open it's open yeah guys are just because fishing of down social distancing right which is cool but but imagine being a high schooler right now if you were in high school oh, fuck. and you only had to go to school like two days a week Imagine we after taking fucking, a year off, dude. We'd be in our glory. <laughs> yeah, like oh, Jeez. tune in, tune into Zoom. Like my wife is a t- sixth grade teacher, and she shows me like these videos. Like, look at this kid, he's sleeping. This kid's watching fucking porn. This kid's like <laughs> laying down. This kid's <laughs> plugging playing video games. This kid's watching anime and all this crazy shit. I'm like, I'd be in a tree stand. I'd be in the woods. Yeah, I'd be yeah. working. I'd be working no, the farm. From I'd here. be this. That would be so awesome. Yep. I agree, man. I I just don't like it come turkey season because everybody's out of work and they're out turkey hunting. But it's good for the industry. It is. It's great for the industry, but it's not good for my personal um. <laughs> Everyone's in your sanity. Shit. My <laughs> personal sanity, bro. It's good for me. So fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> it's not good for me being a public land hunter. No, I'm just kidding. And everybody out hunting turkeys. I just I get scared because you know. They just, you know, I don't want to get shot. You know, no. <laughs> no, I don't want people on my public land. It's is really job. what it is. What's that? Well, put some orange on. Yeah. I'm turkey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> you got that's it. why I kill them because they're so dumb, but they're so smart. Yep, they piss me off. So that's why I turkey hunt. They're fun. Speaking of yeah. turkey hunting, I saw Matt Wiltz is going to come down and hang out. Yeah, you ready? That's cool. Yeah, he's coming down he's opening said, he's weekend. Like, hey, uh, should I get a turkey tag? I'm like, I didn't build bunk beds in the office or nothing. That's right. Like, oh, come on down, buddy. <laughs> and he's like, uh. So we can kill hummingbirds, and then he's like, he's going through. He's like, so for 135 bucks, I can get my bowling license, but that's kind of expensive. I'm like, oh, so you won't? 
<laughs> the problem, but the problem with Connecticut is you now the new law that passed is you have to have a Connecticut um, bow hunting certificate yeah, you to can't get use a bow hunting Idaho license. Brown. You can't use the loops and anything. You have to have an actual Connecticut license. But you um, get, if you did the if you did the bow hunter safety course in another state, you no, can get it. You have to have Some a Connecticut states. Connecticut bow hunter safety well, he course today. If he got it, that would be awesome. Maybe maybe they go with New York, but um, we were having a problem with uh, the modern assassin coming because he couldn't do it here. I had um, that problem with my uncle and cousin in Ohio too. That they couldn't come here because you, so the new law says that you have to have a Connecticut um, certificate. So or, it can't be an it can't be like a New York, Pennsylvania bow hunting no, safety course certificate. No, it has because to be Connecticut it has to be a Connecticut, and or you have to have a, a valid bow hunting license. In the state of Connecticut in the past five years. Okay. Well, thanks it's to ridiculous. COVID, you can also take the bow hunter safety course online. Yeah, but then my you, buddy did it, and then but you have to show up for a field day. You have to have a field day. Yeah. yeah. So you Which can do the course so online. Fucking stupid. Yeah. It's ridiculous, man. I think that you know whatever it takes to get these people out there. I think that we should have a mentor program. I think there should be a lot of things in the state that you know get people back into the woods. Especially y'all just come out. to Virginia. We just shoot shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, where? The only rule, as you guys all know and heard, is that the only rule in Virginia is you can't shoot on a Sunday within 100 yards of a church. It's the only fucking rule. Really? And they hunt turkeys with rifles down there. <laughs> they fucking that. bunch of it, nutcases. It's, it's the Wild West down here. Yeah, we call them mutant mountains. Mut- mountain mountain mutants. mutants. Yeah. Why the nuts. fuck do we live here? I don't know. I've, I've been wondering out. that from the get-go. I know Virginia could really use a nice new shop. Yeah. Well, with all of that built, custom I already, gear, I already built it because I <laughs> I had dreams of moving to Montana, Wyoming. I I fell in love with Idaho. Idaho was like my yeah, fucking paradise yeah. when I went out there. I'm afraid and, to go uh, there. I've been there twice, but I knew my wife's family's so big here. My mother-in-law's. Yep. There's no way you're yards getting from her. the shop. Yeah, yeah the, I'm not going anywhere. So well, I'm we're gonna here, and I'm just gonna suck it up. But we do have good bow fishing. Yes. Our, duck, our duck hunting sucks. Our squirrel hunting is fucking unbelievable. <laughs> our deer, our deer hunting fucking sucks. Yep. Uh, turkey hunting in my area blows cock. Well, bow fishing uh, sucks here too because you have to catch and release bow fish because no, we actually have limits on no, them. Stick and release. Yeah, stick and release. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so ridiculous. you shoot them and you let them go. Yeah, because we have limits on our carp here on our but, invasive species carp because that's how stupid the liberals it, are here and. We but, should do that with felons, shoot and release. Yeah. <laughs> Same thing as carp. So the cool thing is Same I like thing. they're all I bottom asked, suckers. <laughs> <laughs> I asked all my game worn buddies when that law came out, you can only possess one creel limit of a carp, twenty six inches or under or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay. So I asked my game worn buddies, one of my ga- my best friends is game worn. And I know all the guys in the EPA I used to work with them. So I'm like, uh, okay. How the fuck can I judge a fish underwater? <laughs> That's three feet underwater. They're like, well, so I guess you would just shoot them, bring them to the boat, measure them, and then if you don't want to keep it, release it. Okay. So we did that. And then uh, that, you know, that could be 60, 70 fish a night. And, uh, you know, we had a couple mornings where the next morning my buddy would take his wife out on a, on his dinghy for a nice little cruise at the boat launch that we did circles around shooting, you know, 50 carp in a night and there'd be dead carp fucking floating everywhere. (laughs) And, uh, and years, you know, year after year, we'll shoot a carp, pull it back in and there will be a a significant sign of an arrow going in it. 
like an arrow wound, a scar, or mm -hmm. even an eye missing right uh -huh. through the fucking head. And we obviously shot that carp because no one bowfishes around here. Nope. <laughs> well, it's good because it pisses off the European carp fishermen. Oh, the carp fishermen are the worst. They'd be yeah. like, we'd launch a boat and they'd be like sitting there fishing. They're like, I, uh, we, we just baited out here. So can you please just like not like bowfish around here? Like, no, we shoot them on the surface, buddy. We're not, they're eating corn on the bottom 10 feet down. So you'll be good. We'll be fine. We might shoot a couple, you know, 50 around here tonight, but don't you, worry about You it. need to start carrying tags that you can date. You'd be like, shot, <laughs> clip it, be like, oh, shot this on, you know, May the 3rd last Steve, that's year. A, that's a good idea. And just see how many tags you can get on one fish before it's a keeper. <laughs> That would be cool. <laughs> It'd be like getting a banded like duck. That. Yep. I, I got a tag fish. <laughs> yes. Because like, those things are so, they're so tough. I mean, you put an arrow through them in and out and they swim away. You're like, holy shit. And like, here's a. Yeah. One of the cool things about the carp, especially us. I mean, both me and Drew both have our, our had beetles. Here's a, here's a carp fin. That's the gill plate. The gill plate. It's 100% bone. Bone. It's not cartilage. That's wild. It's from a carp. It is right behind the gill plate. And that is, you know, that, that, might, that might stop an arrow. So this is, uh, I first figured that out. We would always, you know, before the law of keeping one carp, we would load the boat and get a big pileup picture after and have like, you know, 50, 60 carp and both and lined up on the dock or in the boat, or whatever, fill barrels. And uh, we would ditch them back in the woods. And then my dog Bullet came back one day with one of these. I'm like, what the fuck is that? It's a gill plate. So it is 100% <laughs> bone. And I whitened it. So it's, uh, it's pretty cool how tough they are. Hell yeah. It's a trophy. It's a carp trophy. That's right. Yeah. So, so uh, this year we need to figure out a way to start trophy tagging them. Yeah. <laughs> For tracking purposes. Yeah, you can it. definitely get. You can definitely get. I like the shark tags. We get like shark tags yep. for them, and, and just, we'll just tag them. Fucking yep. zip, zip tie through their tail. Before we get too crazy, why don't you explain this bad boy here? How about you explain it? You mean we've been off on a tangent? Yeah, <laughs> I, I just, I just wanted to go over this before it kind of got a little bit crazy. This is, this is a platform. If you guys have never seen this, the battlement. Uh, this originated actually from the perch. Which uh, clipped on to... Oh, it's right there. So it's like a perch on steroids without the step. Here, I'll hold this. Yeah, so that's what it originated from. The perch actually originally went on to the step. So then Drew had partnered with Matt from Out on the Limb. You guys all know who he is. So Matt Out on the Limb invented the perch that attached to the step. I, I've been struggling trying to figure out a way to attach a platform to a step for years. And... uh I had ideas. I have probably over a hundred prototypes down in my shop that I was working on. And uh, guys were even using plywood and putting them around the step and, you know, snapping it down. And then <laughs> what was it? It was like a couple of days before the Iowa trade show two years ago. I remember that. Yeah. Matt reached out to me through Facebook. He's like, hey, or he made a post like, hey, wild edge guys might be interested in this. And then he sent me a private message today. You should probably check this out. And he made, I have down the shop, the original perch, which is basically this. Um, and he's like, you know, he showed it to me. I'm like, you're a fucking genius. Like, holy shit. 
Like I've been working on that for years. And uh, he said, I'll show you the Iowa show. So he came to the Iowa show, showed me, and then we worked out a deal. And so he is the inventor of the perch. And he's a freaking genius. The guy is a metal fabricating genius. And uh, the way it works is this is an actual steel pr- prototype. The uh, actual perch is made out of 6061 aluminum. And uh, it goes in, clips around the bar, and snaps into the step. Put the step around the tree, put it in. Recam it, take all the tension out of the rope, and snap it to the tree. And it's solid as a rock. I put uh, over 600 pounds of my mini with a scale on it and cranked it down. It didn't move. But this is, uh, it coincides with a step. And uh, so this is like your, it's pretty much your lightest platform besides Matt's uh, solo scout. And uh, then everyone was so, this was a huge seller, Matt's bracket that he developed. It's yeah, insane. Out on a limb bracket. So Matt and I worked close together. Our whole, our biggest goal was, you know, um, why be competitors when we can work together and be a team and help each other. So that's the way Matt and I have always been. We've shared trade show booths and we work together and share ideas. Um, I gave him the tree seed idea and he came out with a rut roost. Um, which is very cool. Check that out on his website, the rut roost. If you're in a long day set and you want to take pressure off your legs, and if you're in a saddle, you just literally, it's this same bracket with a smaller, pretty much oval platform that you just put between your legs. Yeah, like a beaver tail, and you sit on, take pressure off your legs, and kind of hug the tree. You can put your head against the tree and take a fucking nap. But either way, this bracket was so invincible. I asked him, he said, hey, can I make a bigger perch? with this bracket and he said yeah absolutely go for it so matt makes this bracket for me he gets it machined from the shop that he uses he gets it back to the shop he welds it years on he taps um the adjustable knob to adjust the platform up and down in his shop and he welds this bracket on for the adjustable knob um and then he sends it to me so i get this platform made by some of the metals in texas and i get the bracket made by matt and his shop and he sends me the bracket platform and the platform was from Texas. And then I, I, we assemble them here at the wild Ed shop. So it's a, uh, I was never a platform guy. I was more of like a ring a step guy or a perch in a step with a step on each side. And uh, I, I was always against platforms because they were always too big and bulky. And like, I felt like I was standing on tree stands. So then I started messing around with this baby and it is super comfortable. So the ability to put your foot in the back, put your foot up here, I mean, the adjustability. And then if I have an extra step, which I normally 99% of the time, I always have an extra step. I'll put that rope around the bracket of the battlement and snap it on to usually my weak side. Um, my weak side being the right side so I can get around the tree or if I have an extra, another extra, I'll put it on my strong side as well so I can get around the entire tree. But either way, without a step on each side, I can get around the tree, but now, this has been a, it's been an eye opener for me. I basically developed it knowing that platforms were popular, even though I wasn't big into them, but then I started using it in the development phases of it and I fell in love with it. So it's, uh, it's solid. And once you came into the tree, like Trev, how, how heavy are you? <laughs> uh, 240. Yeah. Big boy. Did you see? And it does not move. Did you see? Did you see the picture of me and uh, Tatro were on? Yeah, Tatro was on one side and I was on the other and side. He's a big dude too. He is a big dude. He actually weighs more than me. But um, so we we were at the Connecticut Saddle Hunters meet, and um, 
he was he we were he was like how do you adjust the bridge this that and the other thing and, you know he's a couple feet off the ground and i just jump up on the platform and he's like the fuck i said yeah that thing's fine yep. <laughs> just stood hold up you. it didn't even rock or nothing he's like wow that thing's pretty impressive i go yep, yeah i just so sold you what? on that one bub <laughs> yeah there was at least 500 500 plus pounds on yeah. there and they work, man. I, I, I like that. I like the perch a lot. I mean, the nice thing is you can come on the back. You can come off the side. And like Drew said, with the one step, um, it definitely on one on your weak side. So you can definitely so that's get the what, rotation uh, around. A lot of people don't understand. With, they, they go from tree stand hunting to saddle hunting, and they go, okay, they're in the tree stand mind. I need a big, giant platform. Like they want to stand on the tree like they're standing on a tree stand. And, the, you know, the tree is this far from their face. They don't have the confidence and the knowledge to lean back. Right. So when I'm when I'm hunting, I'm, you know, this far from yeah, the tree. Yeah, you create I'm that distance so you back. have that ability to move around the tree. So you exactly. stand at like a 45 off the tree. Yep. And once if you have this tiny little square platform, how are you going to move around the tree? So I'm, with this platform, I can get around the tree. But I'm, even with this, I'm always looking for a, another foothold so the beauty of the steps is uh grab that step right there oh, shit. the beauty of the steps is so if this step is against the tree i can stick my heel right in the step or i can stick my toe in the step and it's like my feet are locked in so the mobility of moving and maneuvering around the tree is your hips and your feet so if my heel is locked in there i can't go anywhere if you're standing on a square little box and you lean hard to one side, you're going to slip. I don't care how much grip is on that platform, how much grip you have in your boots, you're going to slip. So you need, that's why I love having a step on each side because on my weak side, so as a righty shooter, my weak side is my right side. I can take this step if it's on the trees right here and this step's on the left side of the tree. I can stick my toe in that step and I can turn all the way around, bring my bow around my bridge, or I can turn all the way around and stick my right foot in this step and go that way without bringing my bow around the bridge. So the whole mobility of having your feet locked in solid is a big confidence booster because you're not worried about that slipping out. I, I mean, I'm, I'm totally with it. I think that it, that's, that's how I hunt anyways. Especially with, the, they with saved the, my ass in Ohio. I'll put you that way. Yeah, yeah. That when yeah, my uh, when my platform lost the middle two brackets. Oh, I forgot about <laughs> that, dude. That's right. I I had a a cut down old aluminum tree stand that I had turned into a really lightweight platform. Do it yourself. Yeah, it was a it was a DIY gig, and I'm sitting in the tree the last day we're there, and. I go to take a step and shift and one of the crossbars falls out of the center. <laughs> I went shit and I went to turn to look at what happened and the other one fell out of the center. So now I have the main bar across the back and the main bar across the front with a foot open hole in the middle of the platform. <laughs> yeah. Why it is finest. So yeah, exactly. Yep. But I had uh, three steps around the tree as well. So I just kicked my feet off and set my heels right there in them and, Yep. I set for another eight hours. Yep. And that's uh so Mike Nutto is my best example of this. He's always preaching this, and guys are like, they motherfuck him like, oh, you're crazy, blah, blah, blah. But so 
you have a platform in the center of the tree, okay? You're a guy. What's between your legs? I don't care what gender you are these days. I guess there's like 270 <laughs> different ones, but if your feet are together on a tiny little platform, okay? <laughs> Try to adjust yourself. Try to take a piss. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Slammed. When you have a step on each side of the tree, you can put your heels in the step like a stirrup. So if you're, if this microphone is a tree and you're sitting like this, your feet are not comfortable like this. Right. They're comfortable at the same plane as your body. So that's where the stirrups help. And it's very easy to take a piss. That brings a big point. Stretch your manhood yeah. out and, uh, you know, scratch it and just be and comfortable with your legs around the tree and you're locked in. You cannot go anywhere instead of being like this. And, and this, this comes up quite a bit, actually, when people are first interested in saddle hunting and putting one on and playing with it. Almost every person asks, how hard is it to take a piss in a saddle? <laughs> you know, I don't know. If you're why. a girl, if you're a girl, <laughs> good luck. Yeah, I don't Do you, know. I'm, this is a fucked up thing. It's something I learned this year, and don't judge. Okay, so the thing <laughs> is, I let my tether line out further. Okay, so I'm over my platform. Okay, so I have my platform in there, and I just fucking piss right yeah. down like that. It's yeah, easy either tuck go, it straight down. Yeah, just tuck it straight or, down and piss right or there. Or do the twist. Just, yeah, you just you just pretend something's behind you and lean and I, out. I'll let even it rip. piss. I'll piss on my steps, knowing that they'll, they'll dry. Yep. You know, I just, just piss right. Down. Just tuck it right down there and fucking yeah. let it. Or rip. what the problem is when there's dry <laughs> leaves, it's like you want to be quiet, so it's like you find yeah, like that rotten log or something, or like okay, oh fuck. There's or you let it go down I'll the just, tree. I'll just go right down. No. The tree. Yeah. Yep. I don't, I and then you don't get the splash. You don't get the sound. Yep, just, just right down the tree. Just, just trickles and runs quietly. Yeah. So I. That buck that I shot in Ohio this year, I, I pissed down the side of the tree like fucking four times. And all I could think of is I'm like, this is sucks because if it's on the side of the tree and the wind is blowing, now it's going to blow it down. Throughout. They don't know. They, they don't, don't care, dude. And I'm texting with a bunch of my buddies and they're like, bro, every big time hunter talks about pissing out of the tree stand. It's it just totally does not normal. matter. Like, think fuck. about it. They, how much piss does a deer smell? Coyote piss, possum piss, everything piss, squirrel piss. Well, piss, and here's the piss, thing: piss, is piss. they don't see, they don't smell human piss and go, "Oh, danger." No, it turns to ammonia. They smell your yeah. clothes scent and your mm -hmm. body scent. They go, "Oh, fuck." What's that, what pisses, sets them had, off is hormones. So if you're peeing yeah. and you got a fuck ton of hormone <laughs> pills popped in you because you're changing some shit, they're gonna notice. But if you're all natural and I got a dick and that's all there is to it, then there's nothing to worry about. Yeah. So you chew sure. tobacco and drink beer, you're fine. Yeah. yeah. If exactly. Yeah. If you're a man's man, <laughs> you sit out well, there high on uh, caffeine in Copenhagen, you're good. Yeah, if, if you're a uh, whatever they call them these days, half it, and half or half and half. <laughs> I, I call them confused. Confused. If you're confused, they might smell you. And if you're confused, you're probably not in a saddle. Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> Skinny jeans you're don't a, work well in the you, woods. You're in a ground blind. <laughs> exactly. No, it's definitely one of those things. <laughs> I just don't get it. But you're that in big a city came park. In after that. <laughs> yeah. That big buck came in right after I pissed down the side of the tree. So fuck it. So definitely yeah, no, not I've scared had, of it. I've had deer lick when I chewed tobacco. It's, you know, lick up, chew spit on the bottom of the tree. Come lick on. up my piss. An old timer always told me piss in a scrape. Yes. Oh yeah. And I, I swear to God, scrapes. I've had deer work a, rework a scrape just because you pissed that in. I it. just pissed in. I piss in every scrape. Urine I see. is urine. They do not sniff your piss and go, 
Oh, that's a human. No, Drew's they just here. smell <laughs> testosterone. Yeah. I'm like a male dog when it comes to scrapes. Every time I see one, I got to piss in it. Yep. <laughs> I piss in every scrape I, I see. see like bullet when he's with me. Every scrape he finds. He pisses in it? When we're checking cameras, he pisses in it. That doesn't awesome. deter him. It's no. just, that's a well-trained dog. Pisses, pisses, <laughs> piss. I say you see a lot of coyotes. Like I'll, If you have cameras over scrapes, a lot of times coyotes will come in them and roll in them. Yep. And I never understood that. And it was because they want to cover the scent and smell like the deer so they can get closer to deer to, to get them. And I was like, wow, mm-hmm. wow, fucking smart bastards. Yep. Yeah. Fucking They're the dumbest smart. smart dogs you'll ever see. That's right, man. <laughs> Absolutely. So what the fuck have you guys learned from saddle hunting? It's the way to go. It's, <laughs> I mean, bar none. It's definitely, you know, and I say this all the time, it's definitely put me in a lot of scenarios where I probably would have never never put myself like or or put me on deer that i never would have been able to put myself on if i wasn't mobile hunting or or saddle hunting because, right. because of effort or no. mobility the mobility it, it, and, and being mobility. able to set up set up in areas that i wouldn't have set up or couldn't have set up say with a climber or or stick and stand so, so like ohio is the perfect example i mean ohio literally the testament perfect. of why it's useful because we went into this place, sight unseen, knew nothing about it, got on map, said, we think this looks good, and literally threw our shit on, went in, went to a place where people don't go, threw our shit up, and had more activity than the people that have been hunting there for 10 years. Yep. Just because you have that ability to get into these places, get on that hot spot, and when you're up there, you go, oh, shit, I noticed today everything's 100 yards that way. I was just off. Well, it's real easy to just pop down and get over there. So if you had had a climber on or a lock on tree stand, would you have been to the point where it's like you'd be lazy because you're like, I don't feel like taking this set down and moving. Oh, 100%. Or, Absolutely. Yeah. I, I tried that, that path uh, three years ago. I tried the whole mobile hang and bang thing. And that's just as much a pain in the ass as going out and hanging presets. Right. Yeah. You know. 45 minutes to get the stand up and you've made so much movement and action and sound. There's no way we would have done what we did in Ohio running stands. It wouldn't have happened. Right. Right. And that, that was definitely even my deer that I shot in Connecticut last year. Um, or there was a year before now that deer, I would have never hunted in that area. If I was on, if I had to use a stand um, because it was more of a swamp grass I mean, a swamp area and it had smaller trees where I probably wouldn't have been able to get up with a stick and stands or hunt or hunt out of a climber. Definitely wouldn't have been there able to hunt There wasn't nothing big enough to put it on. <laughs> yeah. So to being able to go down there and, and, and the thing with mobile hunting, I say it all the time, is you're able to pick your spot, not pick your tree. Because how many times have you gone in there and you, you find a spot and you're like, okay, this is the spot I want to be. And you look around and you're like, fuck, now where am I going to go? Yeah. And with the, with the saddle, with the steps, with the sticks, you can get up in that fucking tree and you can haunt, you know, and it definitely puts you into those areas and it makes you being in a saddle. It makes you go out there and look for those areas. As far as if I was in a stand, I'd be like, oh, yeah, that's a great spot. There's deer here. Or how many times have you been in a climber, climb up the tree and you're like, fuck, you start like this. Oh, fuck, there's a limb or I got to adjust it. And you're like monkey fucking hanging over trying to adjust the bottom platform and like sweating your balls off it's like i don't know how to me three saws and 
Oh, I don't yeah. know yeah. how many times I've almost fallen out of trees in the set and the um not the saddle in the yeah, in the, the climbers. Climber. And the other thing too is the great thing with saddle hunting is if you go to go up a tree and it wise or has a branch, you just clip back in and just throw your linesman around and just keep climbing the tree. If I was in a if I was in a climber, I'd have to saw the fucking branch and I'd have to you know you'd have to really yeah. prep the area to to do yep. it. So saddle hunting definitely puts puts that stuff all in perspective. It really does, man. You think that it's changed your 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 way of hunting, saddle hunting? Me, hundred percent. I mean, it's like uh, when we started, like my buddies and I got into filming each other. You know, back before camera arms and all this shit, we mm-hmm. couldn't afford. We're it. talking about deer hunting, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I had to. I'm sorry. <laughs> and anything else, but uh, <laughs> I know you were deployed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, shit gets weird when you're with a bunch of dudes. But uh, anyway, so yeah, so we'd be like, all right, well, we can't afford fucking 20 more tree stands, even if they're $30 piece of shit, dick sporting goods tree stands, to have another guy above you to film, you know, guy standing there holding the fucking camera from like I bought an Arbor saddle and I would go above my buddy and film him or he'd hop in and film me. And but then we got into self filming and then it's like, then I got into hunting the river a lot more and it's like, like I said before, I got to the spot where it's like, I literally need to get like 12 feet up that fucking tree so I can shoot over and kill deer. And that's what I did. So it was like, it was, a, it was a, but I also knew that there's no fucking way in hell that I could put a tree stand on my fucking kayak with my bow, with my backpack, kill a deer and pack that deer out. So that's where I got into, I wear my saddle in, that's my climbing harness, my tree stand. It's my saddle. It's everything. My little fucking cute set of steps, my one fucking rope, two ropes, and my kayak. And I go in and it just made it just simplifies everything, even to the point where even if you have a preset, you literally leave your house, shop, whatever it is, put your saddle on, hop in your truck, and you go. Grab your bow and your backpack. Do you find saddle hunting that you don't go as high as you would if you you were hunting any other scenario? Yeah. So presets, I'll go in. I'll, uh, I set a lot of presets during the year, shit pile and I'll go in, but I'll go in knowing I'm going to trim shooting lanes. I'm setting this stand up for my sister, for my dad, for my uncle, for my cousin, for Jim step. I'm setting these stands up for different people in myself, but myself, I know that I rarely hunt those. I'm setting up for family and making it super comfortable. So I'll put the, I'll bring freaking 18, 20 steps in and make it super comfortable knowing that that stand is going to get hunted at least six, eight times a year. So I'm going to make them pretty freaking high, put a safety line on it. And then I transition into, okay, I'm mobile. Even if I'm 20 yards from that stand, I'm going to go in and have a different setup. So I'll have eight, you know, eight or 10 steps, but I may only climb 12, 15 feet. So when you're hunting mobile, a lot of guys think mobile, mobile, mobile. I need the lightest weight. Even if I'm, if I'm walking 100 yards, I need the lightest weight. I need three steps, a nader suede, and I need to climb 30 feet. Well, good luck getting 30 feet and trying to get a shot. You're Especially up, here. You're up in the trees. I mean, if you're on the edge, on of, an oak edge of a cornfield. Yeah. Or a big oak fire. That makes sense. But here we're hunting thick, thick woods. So the higher you get, the less shot opportunity you get. And the harder the angle is to kill a deer. So you're 30 feet, deer's at 10 yards, good luck in double long. Right. I mean, unless he's straight down, you're shooting right mm-hmm. through his spine, but that's a pretty 
nasty death, but it's like I found my found myself over the years hunting lower and lower and lower. So I mean, fifteen feet would be like high, sky high from mm-hmm. the mobile. Yeah, sky high. I've had deer even on the river bottom that I'm hunting. There's a video I post on Instagram, I think, that uh, I let out a couple grunts, and I was I swear to God, I was ten feet off the ground just to get over the frag, over the nasty mm-hmm. pucker and shit, and uh, just so I could get a shot. And this freaking thing, this little squirt came under, and his his spikes were like you know, a foot from the bottom of my platform. He walked right under, made a rub right under me. I mean, obviously your wind is not as good if you go higher, but I mean, it's, you have shooting lanes. Yeah. I mean, especially, especially here because we have all the briars and all the other stuff getting the, the shootability is well, almost especially early season. I mean, forget fuck. it. September, forget it. Yeah. Go try to go 30 feet without tr- trimming shooting lanes in you, the middle of the woods. You're going to have two you're little done. tiny holes to hunt. Yep. And that's it, especially mobile hunting, man. That was one of the things. And we learned that a lot in in, in Ohio when that on that Ohio hunt was because obviously you're going into areas you've never hunted in the dark. You go up, you set up and how many deer, obviously, I think it's, I think I always reference back to Ohio because there's a lot more deer that came in that we could have shot Connecticut or Virginia. There's not as many deer that would have came yeah, in that deer we comes in. It's dying. Areas, right? You know what I'm saying? So, um, but there, like the deer would come in and Steven, uh clipped a clipped a twig i clipped a twig um there was a ton of deer that i couldn't get shots on because they would turn and they would go away or they'd be in you know in areas that i couldn't shoot or whatever the case may be while mobile hunting you yep. know and it's like fuck man fuck and it, you really need those those actual you need those pockets and you have to you have to adjust yourself to be able to get more shooting and that's and, the sweet part about you know using the steps and the saddle is like as you're climbing it's so Back in the days of putting up a lock on tree stand with a climbing system, you you know, you stand at the bottom of the tree and look up, and you're like, Okay, I'm pretty fucking sure my platform with my stand is gonna be on that side of the tree, so I can shoot that way and that way. You climb halfway up the tree and you're like, your whole whole world changes. Yep. You're like, Oh fuck. You get up there and like, Well, this isn't a lot gonna work different up here than it did down there. <laughs> so the beauty about the steps is on cam that step, swing it around, snap it over, yep. get around that side of the tree. So I tell a lot of people as I'm climbing mobily, I'll I'll keep climbing and then I'll be like, Okay, I think my platform is gonna be right here. And then I'll jump up onto that step, <laughs> look around, and be like, Okay, nope, either nope. go higher or lower. Most of the time it's lower. So then I'll drop myself right. down. Okay, platform's going here. Jump up on it. Yep, this looks good. Make my platform, hang my bag, start setting everything up and make everything kosher. And yeah, and, and that's the biggest thing. And I, two or three times this year, I, I'd get up, you know, be in there in the dark in a spot that I hadn't set before. And as the light comes up, you realize, shit, that limb's in the way or this is yep. covering that. But it's too easy to go, okay. And hop down a step. Hey, guess what? That lane's open now. Yep. You know, so you can make those adjustments on the fly. Right. And, and I mean, it's it's that's crucial. What's, it simplifies everything to make. Or if you're hunting there and you're like, oh, fuck. I've been seeing a lot of deer 100 yards over there. Mm-hmm. I can just undo my system, jump down, move over there, hop back up without breaking a sweat. And make shit happen. Especially you know, in the pre-run. You're not locked in. 
the pre-rut and the rut, man, you definitely with that if that buck or a couple bucks are running one area and you get down and you fucking you just move over there, dude. Yeah. You don't have to worry about it. And if I had a preset, but, or if you're if you're in a, if you're in a climber, like oh fuck. I went <laughs> around that limb. Work. That's a lot of So work. now I gotta go back down, unhook, go around that limb again. Or it's like fuck. Yep. Or I have to lower my lock on tree stand down, mm-hmm. grab my sticks, all this shit. It's like it just makes shit simpler, easier, mm-hmm. brainless. And the easier shit is, the more the more advantageous, the more savage you're going to be to actually, more motivated you're going to be to actually go kill shit. That's why the mil- military says keep it simple, stupid. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's yep. a reason for it. Yep. <laughs> I want to focus on killing, not setting up. Revival. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yep. exactly. Well, Drew, man, I got one question for you, buddy, and that is what drives you outdoors? Oh, fuck. <laughs> not your car. Not your <laughs> I know you're looking for it. Uh, it's just, I don't know. It's like a, I don't want to call it a sickness because in the liberal world we live in, that could be frowned upon. But it's like, <laughs> hey, I identify that way. Yeah. <laughs> I identify. That makes it okay. Sick- I identify uh, makes yeah, it okay. I identify as a with, s- with the sickness. Yeah. <laughs> identify with sickness. <laughs> no, it's just, it's, I don't want to be cliche or anything. It's like, it's the drive. It's like, um, I don't get very excited turkey hunt. I love turkey hunting. I enjoy bird hunting because my dog, that's what he wants to fucking do. And I bird hunt for him. Deer hunting is, bow hunting is a selfish sport. You do it on your own. And it's my selfish drive that it's like, it's like a burning desire inside me. It's like, I never stop thinking about it. Like you look around this office and it's like, I have hmm. been possessed and obsessed. I was dragging my dad out of his bed when I was 12 years old saying, dad, we're fucking going hunting. He was never a huge hunter, but he was the guy that got me into hunting. Um, but it's just, it's just in me. And it's uh it's a burning, burning, burning desire that I have to have to go in the woods and when I'm in the woods, like I'm super ADHD and like all over the fucking place. I'm like a fucking, everyone says I'm, I'm like a squirrel, like, or I'm, you know, I'll be sitting there. I'm like squirrel. You know, I'm like <laughs> literal. Bullet <laughs> like, fucking all over the place. <laughs> I always have to be doing something, making something happen. So it's like I had a career in killing whitetails all over the country, all over the world. And uh, that, you know, before that I was all about, I would just kill everything. And then that turned into once I killed, you know, couple thousand deer a year that turned into focusing on bucks and mature bucks and it's just an obsession and it's like it what it's it gets me going and it's like put it this way during uh i think it was like last week my wife asked me what's the weather gonna be tomorrow i don't fucking know (laughs) i don't care (laughs) it's like well you have a better weather app than i do can you look it up i'm like yeah it's gonna be fucking cold as shit during the deer season she'll (laughs) ask me what's the weather gonna be i check the weather at least 12 20 times a day 20 I degrees the, winds I, out of the north i look at the pressure 29 <laughs> i look at the pressure i look at the i look at the the wind i look at the wind change i look at the temperature i look ahead i look i mean it's like it's just uh it's a lifestyle it just keeps me dr- driven and uh this year was the coolest year of my hunting career because it was it was like three days before opening day of our bow season, which is September 15th. It was like a Sunday. I took my nephew, LJ, and my son, Bryson, who's uh, he's almost he's three and a half now. Um, so say he was three at the time. And we went in. I put a preset up. 
knowing I was going to kill this eight point, not knowing, but I knew it would be a perfect spot. Um, and they came with me. We put the preset up. They helped me. We uh, put the, you know, checked the camera. It was like this whole family event. It was fucking great. And uh, we took pictures, videos, everything. And then I killed the deer opening day. And then uh, I killed him at 4.30 in the afternoon. And September 15th, it's not dark till 8 o'clock. So I was able to go pick my son up from daycare, bring him to the spot, help me drag the deer out. No, and he knew that he helped me set that stand up. So that was like, that was the best moment in my hunting career. He knew exactly what happened. We set that stand up so we could put that big boo-boo in that deer and eat that deer. <laughs> I had to explain it to him. Daddy, why is that big boo-boo in the deer? What happened? I said, well, buddy, I killed him so we can eat him. And he's, oh, okay, cool. And he watched me gut it, you know, watched me drag it out with my dad. And uh, it was just the coolest moment in the world. So that it's not my biggest deer, but it's uh, that was the coolest freaking moment in my life. Oh yeah, <laughs> I love it, dude. I what think do you it's say awesome. to that? <laughs> yeah, honestly, what do you say? Crickets. Right. Yeah, <laughs> no, it, it was cool. Shit. But the coolest part was like he's to the age where he understood what was going on. Right. Even to the point where, you know, in the barn we're butchering it, and he understands that we are cutting this deer up that Daddy killed so that we can eat it, and then he eats it and understands. And he knows where it comes from. So it's like my wife didn't grow up hunting or in a hunting family. Um, so, you know, she'd always be like, I'd be skinning something or I'd be, you know, butchering something. She'd be like, well, don't you think he's a little young? I said, well, if he's exposed to this growing up, it'll be normal. Yes. You introduce this to a kid at 12, 14 years old. He's going to be like, what the fuck? Like you're sick. Yeah, exactly. Like it's not normal to them. So they make movies about people like you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. So true. Yeah. So it was. It's been normal to him, and he's been enjoying it. And so that that's what keeps me driven, knowing that, you know, I've been so obsessed my entire life, but knowing that, you know, ten years down the road, eight nine years down the road, my boy and my other boy, who's one now, he just turned one, they're gonna be hunting with me, and that'll be. You know, whether they want to hunt or not, if they do, that'll be, you know, the best day of my life. And they actually get into it. Awesome, man. Well, real quick, one last time, where can everybody find you? Yeah, so we have uh, wildedgeink.com, all your saddle hunting needs, anything to climb a tree, saddle hunting, mobile hunting. And then uh, you can find us on Instagram, wildedgeink, Facebook, and I even started a TikTok. Ooh. Yeah, you did. Ooh. Yeah, you did. Yep. So Some good I, I videos was, on I would, there too. I'd be man. laying in bed, and April would be like, my wife, she'd be playing like TikTok videos. I'd be like, hey, what's that? Be like, oh, that's interesting. You know, like really cool business stuff, and you know, just life hacks and political stuff. And I'd be like, let me check. Hey, replay that. Let me check that out. She's like, just get your own fucking account. So I did, and it's now you, you're in you, it. You learn a lot. Now I'm addicted. Yeah. It's bad. It's better than Instagram. It like is. Instagram, you scroll through like pictures and every, you it's know, just very there's edited. a video. That's the problem with TikTok. TikTok is like, oh, that was fucking cool. And like even like recipes for cooking and shit. Mm -hmm. I, then I'll take that and I'll send it to my own text message. Yep. So that I can remember how to make that. I've made yep. the, the most bomb shit. From TikTok. The last two weeks that I've had it. Yeah. <laughs> recipe. The recipes are fucking unreal. <laughs> 
TikTok's a shit. <laughs> nice. Yep. But yeah, you can find us anywhere on social media. YouTube, obviously. YouTube is a, uh, you can find the most educational videos on anything you want to learn. And then feel free to reach out to me, Trev, Steve, Outdoor Drive, Wild Edge, and uh, point you in the right direction. Yeah, man. Well, that makes it easy. Not a whole lot to wrap up here. So, man said it best himself. If you got questions, reach out and uh, we'll get you going. In the meantime, guys, thanks for sticking around. Hope you guys enjoyed. And uh, thanks for taking the ride right here on the Outdoor Drive. Mm-hmm.